He is all we need. You know, the name of Jesus is powerful when it's spoken by one of, one of his own. Um, just a couple, not quite two weeks ago, it might have been two weeks ago tonight, um, we were at a cottage that we rented, my wife and I and my family, and we were at the lake for a couple weeks. That's where I've been. I've been uh, playing on the water, catching a lot of fish, big, big pike and bass, and having a great time. Anyway, I was helping my brother-in-law put a dock in, you know, a, a, something that goes out in the water. He bought a new place, and we were putting a dock in for him, and there was different sections, and you have to, it's a, if you've ever put a dock in, it was a new dock, so we had to put it together and then put it out in the water and sink it in and make sure it's level and all that stuff, and we were um, trying to get it to go down into the mud. If you've ever been to a muddy Michigan lake, you know what I'm talking about. It's a, you know, when you walk. So, so we're doing that, and, and uh, we're getting it to go straight, and he gets this brilliant idea. We don't have the wood on the dock. It's just the aluminum frame, and they're all about an inch, and it's all extruded aluminum, and, or whatever it is, aluminum. It's only about an inch wide. He gets this brilliant idea. He's going to stand up on this frame, and he's going to jump on the frame to make it go down in. Now, he's a guy about my size, a couple hundred pounds, and he's standing there, and I'm standing right next to him, and he goes, Olsen straight backwards and lands right on his back on a piece of metal this big with all of his weight. Right in the center of his back, right down here, right across here, right across his spine. Bam! And then goes forward into the water. I grab him and I literally, without even thinking, I grabbed him out of the water because he was face down in the water and he, he couldn't breathe because he got hit so hard across the back. Think about it, you're this high, you go all the way back like that on a piece of metal this wide. The pounds per square inch is enough to break your back. I'll tell you that right now. Well, he wasn't breathing. I grabbed him and I screamed, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And I started just kind of hitting him on the top of the back and just kind of going, you, you know, wake up, you know, don't die on me, you know. He finally comes kind of awake and he looks at me and he goes, <gasps> got his breath back, and he couldn't move because it was so much trauma on his back, so we took him to the emergency room. They did CAT scans. They did x-rays. They sent it all up to Spectrum, and, and everybody looked at it, and they came back, and the doctor sat there at, by now it's, you know, midnight. The doctor comes back and says, we can't figure it out. With the trauma that's on your back, we can't figure it out, but there's absolutely nothing wrong with your spine, and there's no damage to your internal organs, and you're actually just fine, but he has this nasty bruise across his back and a nasty cut where the thing hit his back, but he says, your spine is fine, there's no trauma, there's no trauma to your internal organs, and uh, they gave him some pain medication, and he took it for a half a day and said, stuff makes me loopy, and then he, uh, you know, we went out in the boat and went fishing, and then, you know, two days later. What I'm saying is the name of Jesus is powerful. I didn't have a prayer meeting, okay? We didn't have time to call the pastor. Well, I was there, but, you know, <laughs> we didn't have time to call anybody else. I was functioning as his brother-in-law, not his pastor at that point in time. I was assistant dock installer. That's what my role was in his life, okay? But what I'm saying is the name of Jesus was the first words 
out of my mouth, not because of anything other than the fact that he's the only one that can help in that situation. So when you, I say this thing to, just to make this very clear. When you come into situations, you need to call on the name of the Lord and you will be saved. That's the truth. And it was just a, a really current situation that I thought was relative to the last song we sang. It says, isn't the name of Jesus wonderful? And I say to that, amen. The name of Jesus is amazing. Because at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. There's no other name given among men whereby you must be saved, and that's the name of Jesus. So tonight, we're going to talk about a subject called, Who Are You? Who are you? Sometimes you'll ask somebody, well, tell me something about yourself, and they'll tell you what's the first thing that most, most people say when you say, so... Who are you? And they'll say their name. And then you'll say, tell me something about yourself. And they'll tell you what they do for a vocation, right? Almost always, right? That's what you usually hear. What they do for a vocation. If you get a really spiritual person, they might mention their wife and kids or their husband and their kids, you know. But otherwise, it's usually what you do. And that's kind of what the, the, the goes along with the word that Ryan had, that it's not about what you do or your performance. It's who you are and who's you are. So it's about who are you? Are you that tent that you're living in, this thing? Is this who you are? Is this this body that we live in? Is this who we are? Many, to many people, it's who they are, right? I mean, you know that. This body is, is who they are. But that's not really who we are, is it? It's not just that body that we live in, this thing that we see we, it comes in different sizes, shapes, and colors, right? The body does. It comes in all different sizes, shapes, and colors. And if you don't like the color, they, they let you dye it with tattoos and hair color and all kinds of crazy stuff, right? You can do whatever you want to the outside of this thing, but that's not really who you are. That's like saying your house is who you are. No, your house is just where you live, Right? But sometimes people identify with that. And other times people identify with their car that they drive. This is who I am. Well, I drive a Corvette, or I drive a Cadillac, or I drive a BMW, or whatever it is. Sometimes they identify, and that's where they get their identity. But none of those things are really who you are. It's not your body. It's not your body type, or your body shape, or your body weight, or your body height or your body color, or your body anything else. It's not your body, period. So then they think, well, I'm a very caring person, so that's the emotional side of things. No, it's not your emotions either. Well, then maybe I'm a very smart person. Well, that's great, you have a very strong mind, but that's not really who you are either. That's, again, that's your mind. Well, I'm a very determined person. Well, that's your will. That's great. But so far, we have not discovered any of those things of who you really are. Now, way back in the 70s, and more recently on the TV show CSI, The Who had this song called Who Are You, right? You know, I mean, that was back when I was in high school. That was a few years ago. But um, we all know the song, right? Who are you? Who, 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 right? And he goes, I really want to know, right? That's why I'm not in the choir. But 
Here's the deal. Who are you? Are you all those things or who are you? That's the question tonight. Who are you? Well, I would submit this, that you are a spirit. That's who you really are. Why, Why do you say that you are a spirit? Because that's the only part of you that lasts forever, is your spirit. So the inside person, the hidden man of the heart, is who you really are. That's the part of you that's made in the image of God. That's the part of you that's the real you. That's the part of you that will go to heaven when this body fails, right? And that's the part of you that really is the only part of you that is perfect, whole, right now, the same way it will be forever, because if you've been born again, your spirit is perfect, it's whole, it's made righteous, all the things that the scripture says are true, but they're true of your spirit. That's the hidden man of the heart. That's who you really are. So if I could sum it up in a simple sentence, I would say this. I would say, you are, we are a spirit. We have, possess a soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions. You have those, and you live in a body. I've been doing uh, funerals for about 27 years. This, this last month, I celebrated 27 years of being a pastor at this church. And yeah, thank God they put up with me. I get it. But I've done a lots and lots and lots of funerals. In one of the funerals, scriptures that I've used a lot and I'd continue to, one of the scriptures is, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Now, if you can be absent from your body, your body isn't you. Pastor talked about it last Sunday. The Apostle Paul said, I went to heaven, I don't know if I went with my body or without my body. Okay, so obviously, your body and you are two separate things, right? You are a spirit, you have a soul, you live in a body. So what happens in a funeral, my aunt died, and right after this service, I got to go to the funeral home, visit the family, and tomorrow is her funeral. She was 85. She would have been 86 next week. But she did not die, her body died, okay? I was with her on Saturday. When I walked in the room and I, and I said her name, her eyes lit up. She was, when I saw her, she was 15 minutes from dying. And when I looked in her eyes, her eyes lit up when I talked to her. I said, hey, so good to see you. And her eyes lit up when I talked to her. See, her spirit was still going strong, but her body was just shot, racked with cancer, and it was just done. But see, inside she was still going strong and she wanted to get out of that body. And I talked with her, prayed with her, prayed with the family, and 15 minutes after I left, she passed. But see, she left her body behind, but she went to heaven. The real her went to heaven. See, and she left her body behind. And so the only, who you really are is whatever lasts forever and the part of you that will eventually live forever with God. That's your spirit. And when to be absent from the body or to be dead 
in, in the natural, is to be present with the Lord if you're a believer. You're present with him immediately. It's not a matter of waiting 20 years and haunting a house. You go there immediately. So the scripture there is 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. It says, it says now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be presented blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the whole, the, the part of you that's the real part of you is your spirit. However, you have a soul and you live in a body and you have to manage those things while you're here, right? So how do we manage your soul and your, and your spirit and your body while you're here? Well, the remedy for your spirit is simple. Make Jesus Christ Lord of your life and become born again. That's the remedy for your spirit, okay? See, that changes your eternal destination. You make Jesus Lord of your life, and then when you are finally done with this life and you go to heaven, or then you, you're done with this life, you will go to heaven when you make Jesus Christ Lord of your life. So that's the remedy for your spirit. You've, there's only one remedy, become born again. Romans 10, 9 and 10, confess Jesus Christ as Lord and acknowledge that God raised him from the dead and you'll be saved. Okay, uh, Another thing about the, the spirit side of thing, to acknowledge the fact that there's a different difference between your spirit and your mind, uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 14 says, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding or my mind is unfruitful. So there's making a differentiation between your mind and your spirit. Because when you operate in the gifts of the spirit, it's not your mind that's conjuring those things up. It's your, they're coming directly out of your spirit, and your mind does not understand what's going on. 1 Corinthians 14, 14, differentiates between your spirit and your mind. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, I would beg to, to look at that scripture. Behold, all things have become new. So we, someone confesses Jesus Christ. They pray this, what we call the sinner's prayer. They make Jesus Lord of their life, okay? If that person had situations in their life before they prayed that prayer, let's just say, if I was 220 pounds the day I got saved, would I immediately be 180 the day after I got saved? No. Okay, that's just the way it is. You, you don't, your body doesn't become optimal weight, okay, the second you get saved. Does, your, does all your anxiety go away instantaneously out of your mind? Nope. That, all, that stuff's all still there too. What about your, your, your emotions? Are all your emotions instantane, instantaneously fixed as soon as you confess Jesus Christ as Lord? Nope. Why? Because it's the spirit the soul, and the body. All your body problems are still there. Now, there's solutions for those body problems, but they, it's not instantaneous. All things have not become instantaneously new in your body just because you prayed the prayer. Now, there's lots of good promises related to your body, okay? So I'm not saying they have to stay that way, but it's not automatic. 
I've heard some people say, well, if you're in Christ, then everything's new. Get over it. Newsflash. You don't just get over some things. We have to go through and process things and go through a process at times. There's sometimes that things are just instantaneously taken care of, but other times it's a process that we have to go through. So when, what they're referring to, what the writer is referring to there in, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, it's a positional newness. You have been made right with God spiritually. So your spirit is made brand new. Your spirit is righteous. For, it says he became what, what does it say in 2 Corinthians 5, 21? It says, he became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So spiritually, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Spiritually, we are as righteous as we'll ever be for all of eternity in the spirit. But that doesn't mean that all your behavior lines up with that positional righteousness in the spirit. That's, that's why we can't look, sometimes we can't look at people's behavior and say, how could they call themselves a Christian if they did that? Well, I can tell you why. They operated in the flesh. That's why. They did something dumb. They got in the flesh and made a big mistake. And if they repented and if they didn't make it a habit, it, it's all, they're forgiven. It's good. It's none of your business. Okay? So you got to go forward and not judge people just based on their behavior and realize that it's the grace of God any of us are going to heaven. Okay? So it's not about earning it or doing everything right. It's about understanding it's the grace of God that any of us go to heaven. It's all his grace, and we accept and get into the grace by making Jesus Christ Lord of our lives. So yes, positionally, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and that's who you really are. But you got to understand it starts with this. You are that righteous person. That's how you are. Now, you have emotions. You are not your emotions. You have emotions. Scripture says to possess your soul, which means to command or direct your soul. You, being your spirit, need to direct your soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions. You, as your spirit man, need to lead the rest of you. Live out of your spirit and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh, it says in Romans chapter 8. If you'll live out of the spirit man, you won't fulfill the lusts of your flesh. Your flesh, there is no remedy to make your flesh act right. The only thing, the remedy for your flesh is to crucify it and to discipline your flesh. That's the only, that's the only remedy for your flesh. Your flesh doesn't want to do the right thing. My flesh wants to eat donuts, okay? My flesh wants to drink too much coffee, eat too many donuts, and sit on the couch and eat chips and cheese and watch guys blow stuff up. That's what my flesh wants to do, okay? And every once in a while, that might not be a bad thing, but it can't be a consistent habit, okay? Or I'm going to be in big trouble, all right? Because you can't sow to the flesh constantly and expect to reap a good harvest, okay? So your flesh is not who you are. Your flesh, the only, the only remedy for our body or our flesh is to crucify it, discipline it, and say no to your flesh. 
okay? That's the only remedy there is. And just because you have flesh that wants to do crazy stuff does not mean that you're not saved, okay? Just because you have flesh and you get tempted to do something, it doesn't mean you're not saved. It just means that you need to crucify or, or discipline your flesh more. Well, I'm struggling with this. That's all right. You're struggling. Here's what I would say to you. The fight is proof that you have not yet been conquered. Okay? That's a different way of looking at your temptation. The fight is proof that you have not yet been conquered. Okay? So, in other words, if you're still resisting and you're still fighting, hey, glory to God, you haven't given up. And glory to God, you have not been conquered. You are still, you still have a measure of control in your life. So keep fighting. Don't allow it to get a hold. And realize that Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says that there's now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. There's no condemnation for you if you're in Christ Jesus. Now, if you're not in Christ Jesus, that's all there is is condemnation, okay? But when you make Jesus Lord of your life and you, you, you come to him and say, Jesus, and you confess it, and you go to him, there is no condemnation. He's not going to rub your nose in it, okay? He's not going to slap you around when you mess up. He's going to forgive you. He's going to say, come on, walk with me. That's, that's how you're going to get treated by the Lord, because there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, if we continuously walk after the flesh, it says that, that those that have a mind after the flesh it says they'll reap destruction. So if you keep sowing to the flesh and never repent but continually sow to the flesh, there's going to be bad consequences, not because God's mad at you. It's because the law of sowing and reaping is such that if you sow to the flesh, you reap destruction. If you sow to the Spirit, you reap life and peace. So you can't continuously sow to the flesh and expect to reap life and peace. It doesn't work that way. You can't sow beans and expect to get corn. It doesn't work that way. You get whatever you plant, and if you plant to the flesh, you're going to get destruction long term. If you sow to the Spirit, you will get life and peace long term. And that's what we have to realize, that many times what people confuse as God's anger or judgment is merely the law of sowing and reaping taking place. It's pretty quiet in here. It's true. Many times the law of sowing and reaping is what causes the troubles in our lives. If we sow to the flesh, we're going to reap destruction or trouble. Now, does, God, does that mean God's mad at us? No. It just means that the law of sowing and reaping is something you can't avoid. It's just there. What you, if whatever you sow to is what you're going to reap from. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. So if you sow, um, for instance, if you just continually sow poor health habits, you're not going to reap good health. That's just the way it is. If you sow consistently good health habits, you've got a whole lot better chance of having good health because you're sowing good health habits, okay? So I would, I would say that Dr. Don would agree with me on this, and he would say fruits and vegetables, whole grains, white if you choose meat, drink what you're mostly made of, water makes your life complete. There you go. That should be your, mostly your diet. 
you know, and I don't put a plug in for restaurants because that's not cool, but eat salads, okay? Eat what we call, you know, weeds and seeds. Um, that's what we call it at my house. So what are we eating today? Weeds and seeds? I want some meat, and I get weeds and seeds. Why? Because my wife says, I want you to live, right? So that's how it works. And that's how um, we were able to... Um, trimmed down substantially in the last year and a half was by eating weeds and seeds and sowing good health habits and stopping bad health habits. It's not a matter of, oh, God just blessed you. No, it's called self-control. It's called good habits, good sowing and stopping the bad sowing. See, sowing and reaping is a huge part of this life that a lot of times people want to blame God for and reality a lot of our life's issues are sowing and reaping issues. So we've got to just continually sow to the spirit and, and avoid sowing to the flesh and keep that flesh under. So the remedy for our spirit is to be born again. What's the remedy for our soul? Well, first of all, our soul consists of our mind, our will, and our emotions. So we'll talk about the mind for a minute, all right? It says, James 1.21 Lay aside filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. Now, that's not, um, that word there, soul, which is able to save your soul, is the Greek word that's spelled P-S-U-C-H-E. And I'm going to avoid pronouncing it because I'll probably do it wrong. So, but it's right there, P-S-U-C-H-E. I would call it suke, but I'm not sure what it is. And it has to do with the mind or the soul, it says. And it says, distinguished from the immortal soul. That's the important part. If you look at the Greek there, that's distinguished from the immortal soul, which would be translated spirit or pneuma. So this is the natural mind of you. This is the part of your soul the soulish realm, that's your mind, and the ingrafted word can save your mind. The word renews your mind. Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do we renew our mind? We renew our mind by Saying, going to God and say, God, this is what I think about these things. What do you think? And you go read Bible verses that have to do with your situation, and you look at what God says about your situation, and you look about what you think about your situation, and you say to yourself, self, God is right. I'm going to believe this instead of this. And that's called renewing your mind deciding that you're going to believe that God's word, God's opinion about you and your situation is higher than and more important with and overshadows or goes over top of or is more important than your own personal experiences or your own opinions. That's called renewing your mind, taking your thoughts, looking at God's thoughts, which are scripture, looking at God's thoughts and saying, I believe God's thoughts are higher than my thoughts. I think that's a scripture. And his thoughts are more important, they're better, they're, they're more valid than my thoughts. I'm gonna overlay God's thoughts over top of my thoughts and I'm gonna supersede my thoughts with God's thoughts. I'm gonna renew my mind and think God's thoughts. 
God thinks you are awesome. I don't feel awesome. I didn't ask you how you felt. I, I, I just made a statement. God gave me a word, the other, I think it was yesterday, and the word was very simple. It was very similar. It's funny because it was similar to what Ryan said. God gave me a word for our staff, and it was, many of you are working trying to please God, and God's word for you today is, I'm already pleased with you. Why are you working so hard? I'm already pleased with you. You don't have to earn my approval. I approve of you. You are approved. God's going to stamp, and he's going to put it right in your forehead. Approved. Okay? You're approved. You're accepted. You're loved. You are the beloved. You're the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. Blessed coming in, blessed going out. That's how what he thinks about you. And, you know, we can look at ourselves and we look at our performance and we look at our history or we look at our family tree and we think, man, my family tree's just messed up. I'm just a messed up cat, right? Well, that doesn't matter. You have a new family tree, okay? And the chief, the, 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 the root of the thing is Jesus. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. You've been engrafted into the new tree, and that's called Jesus' tree, all right? And there's nothing messed up about him, okay? God's thoughts about you need to be more important, or they need to supersede your thoughts about yourself. So well, I'm just a loser. Says who? Who says that? Not God. You may think that about yourself, and I would say to you, stop it. Stop thinking that. That's not true. That's just not true. Well, you should see my track record. I've lost this, 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 and this. Okay, that's the past. What about today? What about tomorrow? You don't know about tomorrow. Let's believe God. Let's have a win tomorrow instead of a loss. You don't have to keep in the same rut that you're in. God's thoughts can pull you out of that rut. You can, don't have to continue to think the way that you've always thought. You can get control of your mind. You can renew your mind by the word of God. Start thinking God's thoughts. How do I think God's thoughts? Get scripture, put it out, repeat it, repeat it again. Stick it on your mirror. I got stickers on my mirror and it says, look who Jesus loves. And it's a, and it's a reflection and you see right through it and you see, your felt, you see your own face in the thing. That's what I have on my mirror. Look who Jesus loves. And I look in there, it's always me. Huh, look at that. He loves me. Look at that. <laughs> and it's just a matter of deciding that you're going to believe what God says about you. Well, I can't believe it. Yes, you can. You start by putting God's word on paper in front of you and start just saying it. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and saying and hearing. That's how faith comes. Faith comes by hearing. And then once you start believing it, you know what happens? You stop believing the other stuff. You replace it. It's not that you just say, well, I'm not going to think those things. No, you replace what you were thinking with what God says about you, and you renew your mind. See, you can renew your mind. You can think differently tomorrow than you thought for the, for the earlier parts of your life. You can do this. You can do it. And you do it by renewing your mind by the word of God. 
You put God's word in your heart. Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. You know, Romans chapter 7, the apostle Paul says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of sin? And that's where everybody stops. See, even Paul had problems. He called himself a wretched man. Oh, wretched man that I am. The good that I would do, I do not do. And the bad that I would not do, that I do. Oh, wretched man that I am. Boo-hoo, poor is me. Right? That's what everybody says. But they forget to keep reading. And the next verse says, but. You need to know where that but is. Right? Get your butt in the right place. But. Thanks be to God who always, always leads us into triumph in Christ Jesus. But thanks be to God, because he's delivered us from this body of sin. He's delivered us. He's made a way out. Yeah, that's the way I was. Oh, there was depression. Oh, there was this. Oh, there was that. It was always bad stuff. But thanks be to God. We don't stop. Just because, just because we had issues in the past doesn't mean they have to be in the future. You do not have to be the way you are right now for the rest of your life. You can change. You can change. How? How do I change? One day at a time. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. You change one little step at a time. You don't look at it and say, oh, it's so far away, I could never do it. No, you just take one little baby step, one little thing at a time, and start conquering little things one after another. And after a while, you start getting momentum. Then you start walking around going, I can't believe I used to think that about myself. That's messed up. And you start going, man, that's just messed up. Why did I ever think that? I can tell you why you thought that. Because you were sowing to the flesh and you were reaping destruction. And now you need to sow to the spirit and reap life in peace. God thinks you're awesome. He just thinks you're great. And, you know, God seems to talk to me a lot when I'm on vacation. I need to take more vacations, Al. Um, because I was in Florida about six months ago, and I was walking on the beach, and I was just talking to God, and I was like, I don't know, my wife and I had words, and I was a knucklehead, and I said some stupid things to her, and uh, she got mad at me, and it was our anniversary, <laughs> right? <laughs> and um, just keeping it real, people. And uh, so I'm walking on the beach, and I'm going, God, why am I such a jerk? Man, I feel like dirt. I'm on the beach great setting and I'm just a knucklehead. What's the matter with me? Why do you put up with me? I was having a pity party, basically. Okay? Now, my wife wasn't even really mad at me. I was just feeling bad because I just was being stupid. And God just spoke to me so clear. He said, I'm not mad at you. Just stop it. That's it. Just stop it. Go apologize. It's fine. So I went, really? Okay. So I Go back in there, tell her what's going on, tell her what God showed me. Everything was cool. Everything was great. Perfect. I'm like, man, that was easy. Well, that's what it is. It's a matter of deciding that you're not going to live in the flesh. Deciding to live in the spirit and sow to the spirit so you don't reap destruction from sowing to the flesh. You, you, that's literally what it is. You gotta sow to the spirit. You gotta listen to God. You gotta go to the word. Renew your mind. You've got to renew your mind. Because here's the deal. Your spirit is absolutely right with God. Perfect. You've been made perfect in Christ Jesus. 
You could die right now, walk into the very presence of God, and your spirit wouldn't have to change a lick. People sometimes get freaked out when you say that because they go, huh? I could never get in God's presence. Your spirit could. If you're born again, your spirit could because you're perfect in your spirit. What the issue you're dealing with is your mind, your will, and your emotions, and your body, and you think that's you, and that's not you. That's the stuff that you live in and the stuff that you possess, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions and this body that you live in. So here's the deal. Your spirit always wants to do the right thing. Okay, let's just get this straight. Your spirit always wants to do the right thing. Never wants to sin. Never wants to be a knucklehead. Always wants to do the right thing. Okay, your spirit. Your body always wants to do the bad thing. Except sometimes when it wants to do good things to pay for its bad things. Okay, but for the most part, your body always wants to do the wrong thing. So we have this thing and we're, we're pretty much at a stalemate, right? But then we have this thing called our soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And that's the part of you that tips the scales. Do you do the right thing or you do the wrong thing? It all depends on what input you get and where you put your weight and where you direct your soul. If you direct your soul to the spirit, you will do the right thing. You direct your mind by renew it. You direct your emotions. We'll get into that probably next week but you direct your emotions and you direct your will. Your will is just something, it's just how it sounds. It's your will, you make a decision, okay? But many times that decision is not as easy as it sounds because you got all this bad input over here. If you sow to the spirit, if you put the word of God in, your will is easy to go toward God. If you put the wrong stuff in, then you get confused and sometimes you just choose to do the wrong thing. How many, and I, I'll raise my hand. Sometimes you just choose to do the wrong thing, okay? It's just your choice. You got, the devil did not make you do it. You chose to do it, okay? And uh, the quicker you realize that, the better you'll be. So you got your spirit always wanting to do the right thing. You got your flesh always wanting to do the wrong thing. Then the key is you renew your mind. And then as you renew your mind, your emotions and your will lines up and you sow and you get life and peace and you do and you, you're able to overcome and not walk in the death way. You're able to walk in the life way because that's your spirit man. It's literally, it's a one-one tie and all that's lacking is you to vote for the middle. It's your vote. And you vote by putting God's word in, renewing your mind getting control and healed in your emotional realm and making a decision to follow God. And all that rolls into the spirit leads us into life and peace, but the flesh always leads us into destruction. We're out of time. I got about halfway through. We're gonna continue this next week. And um, we're going to go into the emotion side and the will side, and we're going to finish up. Um, I didn't think I was going to get through, and I certainly didn't. So let's just take it from here. Let's just, if you would, just stand. If you would, 
just for a moment, go with me and just, and just close your eyes and just, we're, I'm just going to ask you a few questions. If this is you right now that I'm describing and you're saying, I want to do the right thing, but I don't seem to be able to do the right thing. I, oh, I'm, I'm like that Romans 7 cat you were talking about. The good that I would do, I do not do. And this, the, the bad that I don't want to do, that's what I always end up doing. The answer for that, my friend, is to make Jesus Christ Lord of your life. If you've never made Jesus Christ Lord of your life, that's the starting point for having life and peace. And it's the starting point to, to renewing your mind and, and being made perfect in Christ and your spirit be born again and made perfect in him. And that's just a simple transaction that, we, that takes place in the spirit where you simply make Jesus Christ Lord of your life, where you simply say, Jesus, I make you Lord of my life. I give my life to you. If you've never done that and you say, I want to do that, I want to start this thing, I want to be made right with God tonight. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand. I'm going to pray with you right where you are. If that's you, you say, I want to be made right with God. I want to be born again. I want to be made right with God. Lift up your hand if you would, if that's you. Say, I want to get right with God. Everybody here has made, has made Jesus Lord of their life. I don't see any hands. All right. Well, then... Say, well, I've, been, I've, been, I've prayed that prayer. I've done that, but I'm still in this situation. God wants to meet you right where you're at. There is no condemnation for you. There is, and you, you, I'm, some of you, I'm sure, thought when I said, you can change, I'm sure you probably said under your breath, you don't know my situation. You're right, I don't, but the Lord does know your situation. And I know that some of you are going through some pretty heavy stuff and some pretty complicated stuff and some stuff that, that is, is beyond reason. I get that. But you know what? Here's the real deal. Jesus knows what you're going through. Jesus knows your pain. He knows all the situations. He knows the beginning from the end. He even knows how it's going to turn out. And he just wants to meet you right where you're at. So you say, well, I've already accepted Christ, but I got a sit. You might say, I got a situation that I just want somebody to, to, to agree with me on, and um, that's, if that's you, say, I want, I got something. I just need some serious prayer on. Lift your hand right where you are, where the body of Christ is going to do their job. Okay, there's there's somebody back there, up there, up here. Body of Christ, I want you to move. Go to somebody who has their hand raised, and we're gonna we're gonna minister to these folks. If you got your hand raised, just raise it up high. And believers are going to come to you right where you're at and just simply pray over you. You don't have to share all the details. Nobody needs to know all what's going on in your life unless you want to. It's not about that. It's about God touching you right where you're at right now. Just go ahead and start praying for them right where they're at, people. Everybody that's got their hand, had their hand up has got somebody around and praying for them? Good. I see that? Good. And in just a minute, we'll close it up. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Mm. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you for every person that lifted their hand. Father, we thank you that they're brave, that they acknowledged their need of you. And I thank you for every person that's ministering right now to, the, to those that have their hands raised. I thank you, Father, that your power is at work in each and every life right now. That, Father, you're speaking life into every situation. Father, you're speaking life into those dead places. And we just say life and health and peace in Jesus' name. We speak life and health and peace over these situations. Father, we thank you that you make crooked places straight, that you solve the, the conundrums that are there, those unsolvable, seemingly unsolvable problems that are there. We thank you, Father, that you work things for good, that you cause even the, the, the messed up messes, that you turn them for their good. Father, Romans 8:28 is true, that you work all things even the messes, you work them around for our good because we love you. We thank you, Father, for a good turnaround. We thank you for a good outcome. Father, we thank you for a good outcome that, you, Father, you would raise up beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and the garment of praise for that spirit of depression. We come against that spirit of depression now in Jesus' name. We command that spirit of depression to be removed off from lives right now in Jesus' name. We thank you, Father, that you just give them beauty for those ashes where there's been destruction. Father, we thank you for newness of life. We thank you, Father, for peace where there's stress right now. And Father, I thank you for a spirit of peace over each and every one. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.